broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. Back in the mix for another three hours. Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness, following the heels of JT the Brick, which, of course, followed the morning tailgate with Clay, Vinny, and Heidi this morning, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. But we're here on this Friday, ready to close out the week real strong. Very excited about today's show. Very excited about the opportunity to be with you, Raider Nation, for the next three hours. And want you to be a very heavy participant in today's show. Uh, didn't line up as many guests as we normally have. We've been very guest heavy throughout the course of the week, but only coming in with three guests today because I do want Raider Nation to be very active on this Friday. And I know I realize a lot of folks may not be at work today. A lot of folks may be like the wife. Uh, she's here at the house uh, uh, as her job's recognized Good Friday. So she's out, matter of fact, soaking in some sun in the in the backyard right now. And uh, it's funny, I went out before the show and I saw her outside. I saw my dad outside and i was like man i probably should do the show from outside everyone's out here soaking in the sun but uh no i'm i'm in the home studio Lindsay brown is in the Finley cadillac performance studio making everything go as demon cotton is still on vacation he'll be back next week but between Lindsay and jared done a fantastic job filling in for demon this week and we definitely appreciate uh you as always and of course raider nation we want to hear from you but it is a beautiful weather here in las vegas this weekend is supposed to be exciting of course easter's coming up as well so if you are off and you're celebrating you're you know observing the day uh you know we appreciate you for tuning in whenever you can and whenever you get the opportunity and uh hopefully you enjoy your day and enjoy your weekend with the family or whatever you decide that you're doing around the town but uh Lindsay, as i mentioned you're in the finley cadillac performance studio i'm in the home studio uh is there anything how much greatness is going on at the radio station or is it on a good friday kind of quiet there at the at the home studios well, it's a it's a little sleepy everybody's got uh, <laughs> one eye on the master's leaderboard you know it's just one of those those days one of those weekends where i think everybody's looking to take a little bit of a deep breath and enjoy where we are because as you mentioned the weather's gonna be great and so there's only so much time we have before this place turns into a furnace again yeah there's no doubt about that and speaking of the masters did you see the tree fall at the masters no what a tree felt like actively a tree fell i tweeted it at Ooh. your boy q254 i retweeted it but uh yeah that wasn't the highlight i expected to see coming out of the highlight or out of the masters like i mean i've seen a few guys hit into the trees i've never seen a tree and when i say a tree i don't mean just that little tree that's in the front yard that you get when you buy a house and they just have to have a tree out front no i'm talking about a tree tree like one of those that have been around for a very long time all of a sudden out of nowhere just timber and it just it, it just fell to the ground and uh you can hear them as they're doing the commentary on the masters like oh my gosh i hope everyone's safe i mean that tree literally when it came down Lindsay, it came down well, and it looks like if i'm not mistaken it's sergio garcia that is on the the green right next to the scene that it went on and he was wearing quite the pink outfit between him and justin thomas's pants so maybe uh there there's a a connection there but regardless hopefully everybody was safe in that little altercation. Yeah, I mean, that's that's wild. Again, that's something I did not expect to see. From Golf is a contact sport, I guess, now. <laughs> Man, I knew that there was going to be some highlights and some lowlights coming out of the Masters, but that was not one of them. Uh, expecting to see a tree, 
a big old tree just fall. I'm actually got my red polo on today because I'm hoping Tiger makes the cut. Uh, that's what I'm hoping for when it comes to the Masters. It's not anymore about Tiger winning tournaments uh, because that's something that he did in his in his prime all the time. Now I just want to see him make it to the weekend. And so he's having a rough round. I've been checking and monitoring out throughout the, most, the, the morning. It's been a very busy morning for me here at the home studio, but he is not doing too well. And I believe actually play has been suspended because of weather. So uh, there's that. But Tiger's not doing too good, so I'm hoping that he makes the cut uh, and actually we get to see him on Saturday and Sunday, but we will see. We'll continue to update you on the Masters as it goes along. And again, as I mentioned, uh, play has been suspended due to weather, so if they ever get back to action, we'll let you know. But uh, Kup- uh, Kepka is uh, the leader right now, 12 under, 67 as it stands. So that's the Masters. We got a lot to get to on today's show. Very excited as I always am. Got some really good guests that we have lined up as we do on the daily, including our guests that we'll have for our opening drive today, and that's Mike Giardi uh, from NFL Network. He was currently, he was with NFL Network. He's actually a free agent. Been covering the NFL like a glove for many, many years, but uh, we know how this business is at times. Uh, you know, layoffs happen, and so uh, that happened with Mike. So he's one of the best in the business. He's going to join us. He covered the uh, Patriots like a glove. He knows Josh McDaniels and, and uh, Dave Ziegler very well, and so as he's seeing what the Raiders have done this offseason and the players that they brought in and the way that they're preparing for the NFL draft has a pretty good idea of what to expect from those guys. So we want to kind of get a little bit of insight from Mike. So uh, Mike Giardi, a very good NFL insider. Uh, he'll join us in a matter of minutes to kick off the opening drive. Then at 3 o'clock, Charles Davis from the NFL Network. He's my good buddy. Always talk NFL draft with him. Just saw him in Indianapolis at the Combine. We'll have an opportunity to talk to him, talk all things NFL draft, and just the storylines leading up to the draft as we're 20 days away. We'll be in Kansas City. Just got the credentials approved today, so I'm excited about that opportunity. Know that uh, Raider Nation Radio 920 will be in Kansas City for the upcoming draft, uh, round one, round two, and three, and then we'll come back on uh, on Saturday. We'll head back to Las Vegas. But uh, the draft will be covered like a glove by Raider Nation Radio 920. So Charles Davis will join us at 3 o'clock. Then 3.30, our good friend Sheena Quick. She's a Panthers beat writer there in Charlotte, covers the Panthers like a glove. She's been on the show multiple times. And, of course, the Panthers have the number one overall pick. They moved up all the way from 9-1 to one to go and get that number one pick and that quarterback. And when they made that move, even though I didn't believe it at first, when they made that move, they did not know what quarterback they wanted. They just knew that they wanted to have the control of the draft. They have control of the draft. There's been reports that Bryce Young is the guy. There's people like me who believe C.J. Stroud is the guy. And who knows, maybe Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, who people aren't talking about that much when it comes to Will Levis, Maybe they play a role in this as well. So we'll get the latest and the greatest when it comes to Sheena. She'll talk about the Panthers and where she thinks that they may be leaning, or maybe she has a little bit of a definite, you know, an exact on uh, on where they're leaning when it comes to that number one quarterback and that number one spot. And that really will start the trajectory because, as we know, as Todd McShay said the other day, uh, if it's not C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, the Raiders aren't looking at a quarterback in the top ten. So uh, again, it's just draft conversation, so you have to take it with a grain of salt. But I, I tend to believe those reports when it comes to C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. So if one of those guys is sitting there at number three, do I think the Raiders will make a move? I absolutely do. We've had conversations on the show about that. If if uh, the Raiders were sitting there and, and one of those guys was available at number three, should they? Some people believe yes. Some people believe no. I think that they would make a move if if one of those two guys became available at number three. So we'll talk to Sheena Quick, who covers the, uh, the Carolina Panthers like a glove there in Charlotte. Uh, we'll talk to her all things Panthers and what they're going to do with that number one overall pick. And if there's any chance that they go anyone but C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, I would be shocked if they went a different direction. 
but I've been shocked before. And it's, it's funny, Lindsay. Um, there's, you know, you always think that you have a, a pulse of what's going to happen. Like right now, I could rattle off, pick one through ten, and tell you how confident I am that that's what's going to happen. But we all know that that doesn't that doesn't happen, right? There's always that moment in the draft where all of a sudden you look up and say. Wow, I didn't see that coming. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. it kind of makes the draft go into a whirlwind. Somebody trades up and, and resets everything. They they have somebody in mind that they really like. Maybe it's a slight reach, but in their mind it's not because they want to make sure they get their guy. And it just throws everybody into a frenzy because you have talent that's dropping down that you weren't expecting before. All of a sudden we're questioning, is this the di- right decision? Because we were not expecting this type of talent to be at, at our disposal here. But uh, certainly... Um, one of those times, as you've mentioned this week, this is when you take absolutely nothing to heart that anybody is saying because you're trying to set as many traps for teams that are maybe looking up to move or maybe uh, just move around in general in that top 10. Absolutely. And so it's funny, I was part of a mock draft last night, and I'll throw this question out there before we get to Mike Giardi to talk all things NFL. Uh, it's funny, I, got, I was part of this mock draft, and, and all of a sudden at number six, the Detroit Lions were on the clock, and I thought that they were going to go in one direction, and they completely blew my mind where the guy that was picking for the Lions went with Kalijah Kansi from uh, Pitt. And I was like, at six? At six? And it gave me Cleve Farrell you know, feelings. Like, it reminded me of when – the Raiders picked number uh, Cleve Farrell at four, and I was like, wait, what? What? So that, that, that kind of blew my mind and reminded me that teams do crazy things at the top of the draft all the time. I actually had a, a, a tweet from my guy Jonathan Crane. He said, I have decided I don't care who the Raiders take at seven as long as it doesn't make Hugh make a video with a shocked look on his face saying over and over again, at seven? Really? At seven? LOL, keep up the great work. I listen every day. I've been watching on YouTube. P.S. I lied. If they take someone like an offensive lineman at seven, I'm going to become unhinged. So the question I have for you, Raider Nation, would love to hear from you at 69187, keyword R&R. That's the don'tbebroke.com text line. Who is that player or maybe even that position that would make you become unhinged? Who is it that you just don't want to see the Raiders make a move for? We've been talking a lot about what they should do at seven, what they should do in the first round. Should they trade up? Should they get a quarterback? Should they go back? But what do you want them not to do? Let's, let's flip it up a little bit on this Friday. Let's have a little bit of fun. What position or what player do you not want the Raiders to make a move for in the first round? That, that one player that's going to make you do like I did when uh, Alex Leatherwood was selected. I was sitting in front of the TV at the house when Alex Leatherwood was selected. Uh, the wife was videoing me, and I said, Leatherwood? At 17? Leatherwood? That's what... That's what my man Jonathan was referring to was the video that I just really couldn't believe that Alex Leatherwood was the pick. And even as I was in Nashville and Clee Farrell was picked number four, and I have nothing against Clee. I thought he was a really good player. And, of course, he uh, gave all the effort in the world the time that he was with the Raiders, now with the 49ers. Just knew that he was overpicked, right, or picked, picked way too high, picked at number four. And so it just kind of made me look. I remember I was sitting there in the, in the green room there at, uh, at the draft in Nashville, and I was like, at four? It's a little high for him. So that is what Jonathan is talking about. That's what he doesn't want to happen. He doesn't want that moment where all of a sudden we're all looking around or you see that fan in the stands that's like, huh, what, who, who's that? So let us know, Raider Nation, 69187, keyword R&R. Hit us up. Let us know who is or what position, if you don't have a specific player, what is that position that would make you become unhinged that you just don't want to see the Raiders draft. I'm thinking for me, and we'll get into the opening drive in just a hot minute, but I'm thinking for me, it would be, like I think that defensive, de- anyone defense makes sense. I would have no problem with a, a stud defensive lineman, have no problem with a stud defensive cor- uh, corner. I think linebacker, the class is really thin 
at the linebacker position. So I don't think that there's a linebacker at seven that would make a whole lot of sense. I think a linebacker would have to be uh, probably a trade back. Um, I don't know if unhinged or or even question it too much would be, but I think maybe offensive line. I think maybe offensive line would make you know just because I think the Raiders have so many different needs that that they definitely even though offensive line is maybe maybe a skill position, right? Maybe. Maybe if they drafted a wide receiver or something, which I, I, I don't see that happening. But for the most part, I think that probably the O-line or maybe a skill position that they just don't need. But, I mean, they have so many holes, it's going to be tough to tough to really uh, fill that void. But we, that's a question that I want to throw out there to you. Who's a player or maybe even a position that would make you become unhinged if the Raiders decided to go and pick that player at number seven or even with their first pick in the upcoming draft? 69187, keyword R&R. Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. And helping us kick off the opening drive here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920 is our friend Mike Giardi, longtime NFL insider, covers the NFL like a glove, been doing it for a very long time. And, Mike, thanks so much for your time. We definitely appreciate you. And I know that uh, you've covered the Patriots in, in, in for a very long time. And, of course, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler come from that New England tree. And I, I, I'm sure you've seen the moves that they've made this offseason, bringing in a lot of uh, free agents, a lot of guys that have Patriot ties. How important do you feel it is for Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler to get what they say is their guys and get them in-house so they can execute the plan the way they want it executed? I think you see it across the board now with all these coaches coming in and general managers that they, if they have a unified vision like Dave and Josh do, that that's what you want to do. You want to go with something that's familiar. You want to go with people that you have experience with or at least um, know people that have had experience with them and speak highly of them. Um, but I would still say, for as good as that is, and it gives you a nice foundation in the locker room, they just need more talent. Right. <laughs> you gotta find more, you gotta find more talent. Um, that defense was pretty, pretty bad last year, and it's, I think that's a, that's a primary target, I think, as you look at the draft here, about how you go fix your, your team and become better than you were last year. You know, does it make sense for you when you're looking at it from a distance, what they've done? They've added guys on the offensive side of things. You know, Jimmy G, obviously, Brian Hoyer just the other day, Jacoby Myers. They spent some money on offense, but you just hit on it, you know, looking at the defense for the draft. Does that make sense to you to be very heavy as far as the defense goes and make that kind of focus on the NFL draft coming up at the end of April? Yeah, I, I say two things there. I say you take the best defensive players available. Um you know, maybe you can get away with not going edge because you have Crosby and you're hoping for a bounce back from Chandler and, and obviously you're paying him a lot of money, so you, you, you're going to roll him out there on a regular basis. But, like, the spine of that defense needs work. Um, you certainly could upgrade a corner. And then I look at the offense and say, they piece some things together from the offensive line standpoint, but it still feels like it's devoid of, of enough um, high-quality bodies. So that's another place where I would think – you know, if not at seven, because it seems like it's a little rich for seven and, a, and an offensive lineman in this draft, that either you trade back, accumulate more picks, then take someone there, or, you know, that's your, that's your next selection is your, you circle a, an offensive lineman. 
Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And we were just talking about, you know, players or positions that you don't want to see them draft at number seven. And I'm in the, in the, in the camp of offensive line probably isn't the one that you need to draft immediately, but I can see them addressing it at some point in this upcoming NFL draft. Yeah, well, let me go seven, back to seven is seven is definitely too high. I mean, when yeah. you look at the class, and I, I think there are some good players and there's some guys that are probably were projecting some of the tackles in terms of, well, what could the kid from Georgia be? Like, well, he might be a stud. But we're not there yet. I don't think that's a pick you make itself. Right. I got you. I, and, again, I, I think that that makes a whole lot of sense. And, you know, sticking with the draft and the theme, Mike, I mean, uh, the Raiders need a, a franchise quarterback for the long haul, right? I mean, they have Jimmy G. They have Brian Hoyer as the backup right now. But they also need someone for the long haul. So, uh, Josh McDaniels, you know he's worked with Brady, Cam, Mack, Derek Carr last year, just to name a few quarterbacks. As far as from what you know about Josh McDaniels, what – what kind of quarterback would be ideal for him that may be in this upcoming draft? I think he wants a cerebral quarterback, which I think we all agree Derek is. Um, but I think that they, what's ingrained in Derek versus the way Josh sees the game, they weren't able to make that marriage work. Um, but I think, that's, I think that's primary for him. I think he wants someone who can see the game, think it clearly, and get rid of the ball quickly. You know, there was a story about the Patriots a bunch of years ago, five years ago, six years ago, uh, Seth Wickersham wrote it, and it was kind of detailing the, the unraveling of the internal relationship between Brady, Belichick, and Kraft, and some of the ego that was involved in there. But one of the things that was quoted in there, and I've heard it before and I've heard it since, is that they believed in New England that they could win with the run-of-the-mill quarterback. Give me the average guy, and I got enough uh, smarts that I can coach that guy up and we can do things. I think Josh... Look, everybody prefers more talent at that position, but I think Josh says, give me someone who can think the game, whose arm is good enough, and then we can sort of mold the offense around that and the way we go. It's really intriguing to me because obviously they're, they're talking to all these quarterbacks. They're having them for the top 30 visits, which is a smart business. But do they fall in love with one of those guys? Do they see Richardson, Levis, Stroud, you know, who I don't think is getting past two, but – you kind of get my point. Like, yeah. do they fall in love with one of those guys, and then that changes the equation for them? Or are we getting what Mark Davis said, which was basically like, this is going to take a little bit longer than you kind of wanted to believe, and we're okay with that. We have a plan. We have an idea. So you say, all right, this draft, go build up that defense. Go build up that offensive line. Next year, if we're not happy with what Jimmy does, if he can't stay healthy, then we start to look for the next guy. That's interesting. Mike Giardi is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And to say roughness, we're talking all things NFL, but talking in particular about what the Raiders could be doing and what they have been doing in this offseason. And you mentioned Jimmy G, and, and that's been my big hang-up on him is just he can't stay healthy. We know he knows Josh McDaniels really well, but he just can't stay healthy. I mean, what are the chances that he goes into this season and he's able to play the majority of this upcoming year? Well, I mean, based on the last couple of seasons, it would be hard to, to sort of – forecast that you know um with jimmy and how things have gone i think that's why uh hoyer becomes a valuable you know piece just because he's sort of if you will a plug-and-play guy you don't want to plug and play him but he knows the system you know like the back of his hand help teach the system <laughs> at various points you know help mac jones in, in new england run the, run the josh offense so i think that's that's a nice little piece to have where hey two or three games if we had to or someone that we feel like we could get by with and survive. Now, if you have to play eight, nine games, then, you know, you're probably looking at another season in which you're picking right around the top five. 
Right, and, and maybe you have a built-in excuse on why you're picking, like you said, in the top five. So uh, we heard the r- rumors and reports earlier this week and even late last week about Mac Jones and he, could he have been on the trade block where they making calls for him. And it seems like nobody was happy with the offensive scheme that was ran in New England last year. What could you tell us about what was going on kind of behind the scenes in New England offensively? Well, I mean, it just – so you go from the Josh system to – this Matt Patricia, Joe Judge combo platter, a former defensive coordinator, failed head coach, and a former special teams coordinator, failed head coach. And they, you know, they, they used all these buzz, buzzwords. We're going to play faster. It's gonna, we're going to simplify the offense a little bit. The Patriots offense, the Josh offense, is, you know, it, it, was, it was detailed to begin with. And then with Brady being the guy who ran it for so long, they would just tack things onto it. You know, the play call was 15 plays, uh, 15 words long. And Brady was like, well, let's throw a ZY out here. And, the, you know, so it just it became this ungodly thing to some that they weren't able to process fast enough. You know, the receivers were given multiple options on every play. I'm, you know, five, six options. If he changes this way, you go that way. And Brady could read all that stuff. And it was up to the receiver to get on Brady's level. And when you're playing at that level for as long as he had and been in that offense for as long as you had, guys really struggle. And I think you kind of. By and large, you saw that anytime they went outside the the system to bring someone in at receiver, unless it was a freak like Randy Moss mm-hmm. or someone like Welker who just you know worked the underneath, these guys all struggled to find you know a place in that offense. And so um, they tried to simplify it. They didn't have enough talent to simplify it. Quite frankly, uh, their their offensive line was poor last year. The sequencing. If you go like watch plays, you want to like nerd out uh, <laughs> the good play callers, and I think Josh is a good play caller you'd watch their sequencing and go, what is he setting up? Is he just like looking at the play sheet and going, well, let's try uh, row three, play four. You know, it's like we're playing play sheet bingo here. Um, and that's not how good offensive coordinators call it. So uh, there definitely was a ton of friction. It wasn't just with Mac. I think Hoyer felt it too. Like he didn't like what they were doing. Um, Jacoby Myers spoke to me about it, uh, spoke to others about it during the course of the season. It just, they knew it wasn't good enough. They knew right. they were, they were playing with one hand tied behind their back. And when you're not super talented from a, from a skill position standpoint, you get what you got, which was eight and nine. They got exactly what they deserved. Mike Giardi is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. You mentioned Jacoby Myers. He's the guy that was one of the first free agents that the Raiders signed. What are they getting in Jacoby Myers? I think you're going to love the kid. Like, you, you watch him and you go, ah, he's not, he's not the fastest guy, right? And you watch him and you're like, ah, he's not the – He's not the, the, the biggest guy. Like, there, there are things that you look at receivers, you, you know, we do it. We're doing it now with the draft, right? You, mm-hmm. you watch, you put it in a highlight reel, and you're like, oh, my God, Jackson Smith and the Jigba. It's like, he's going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. Maybe he will be. But Jacoby does everything really well. He's a willing blocker. He got bigger last year. He gained maybe 10 to 15 pounds, I think, over the course of the last two years. And you saw that. They asked him to do a lot from the slot. Uh, but he also can play outside. I think Josh likes the idea of – having interchangeable guys, right? You know, like, hey, Devontae can line up inside, he can line up outside. Not that Jacoby is Devontae, but, you know, right. having those guys on the field, defenses go, well, wait, where's he going to be? And I think he's just a really smart football player. He gets, he, despite all the things I said about the, the physical traits, he gets open. Right. He finds a way to get open. He was, I mean, quite frankly, th- there were points last year when he was healthy, and even when he wasn't, he had a knee problem, where he was the only guy that consistently you'd look at the game afterwards, never mind live, and you'd be like, there's one guy getting open, and it's Jacoby. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, I'm excited about the addition that he brings to the table. The Raiders last year really didn't have a number two wide receiver because of guys being injured, and I think Jacoby Myers can be that guy. And, Mike, I just have a couple more questions for you. Uh, you mentioned Josh McDaniels is a really good uh, play caller, and we immediately got hit up on our don'tbebroke.com text line and say, <laughs> okay, ask him is he a really good coach, though, not just an offensive coordinator, but a really good head coach. Couldn't he be? We remember Denver, and obviously last year didn't play out very well for the Raiders, but there's multiple reasons that that could be what do you think about him going forward as a head coach so i think josh learned a lot from round one in denver which was now a long time ago i think uh if you talk to the people um who are around him for that next run with the patriots they talked about him being more um more of a people person and i think that those i took that as a good sign that when josh took this gig that that was going to travel with him I think the quarterback situation made things a little bit rugged for everybody because I think you know there are people in, in Vegas who, who love Derek Carr. And then there are people that can't, you know, they couldn't stand him, doesn't think they were going to get anywhere with him. But to make that cha- trade, uh, change after one year, it does raise eyebrows. I will say I thought it would be better this year. And I, I'm not saying I, I thought they were a playoff team. I, I don't know what the ceiling was, but I thought it would look better. And I think – I'm sure Josh is putting a lot of pressure on himself to make sure that year two um, goes a little bit more according to plan. Because to your point, I think it's fair to say is the jury out. I think he's a good offensive coach. We've seen plenty of guys be good coordinators and not be good head coaches. Um, I think Josh is kind of on the clock a little bit here. I agree 100%. And I think that's okay to question it, right, until you actually see it and see the evidence. I don't think that that's being disrespectful. And, you know, the one thing I like about this new staff is Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels have come in together, similar to what John Lynch and, and Kyle Shanahan did in San Francisco. And they took their lumps at first as well, but then they figured things out. How important is it that those two guys came in together, like you mentioned at the top, with the same vision? Yeah, I think that's critical. I think I don't think Josh would have left New England uh, unless he was able to bring uh, Dave with him. And I know that the hiring went in the reverse direction, but I think they were they were sort of they they kind of knew what they wanted to do here. And I think Josh clearly, having seen the first time in Denver, like not having your own people, he ended up taking way uh, probably way too much bit off way too much that he could chew in terms of a personnel standpoint because he inherited some people as opposed to you're coming in here with your guy. You've talked about football a million times in the office, you know, at 5 a.m. and and 10 o'clock at night and in between and kind of share the same vision for what you want from your team and and how you want, you know, what what players you want and how you want to do it. So I think that's that's critical to be on the same page with that. And, again, it just comes down down to finding the right guys to implement the system, and, and then we'll see – you know, if they can do that, and if they if they can do that, can he coach him up the way he did in New England, at least on the offensive side? There's no doubt about that. And Mike, as we get you out of here, I'll ask you one more question. You started at the top saying they need more talent. Right now, Dave Ziegler and Josh and Champ Kelly, they have 12 draft picks going into the the draft at the end of April. If they hit on you know a nice handful of guys, how quickly can they turn the team, the roster over? You know, with that many draft picks, having the opportunity to really get some strong talent on the team, especially on the defensive side of things. Yeah, between that and, and sort of getting in, as we talked about earlier, getting in your guys, bringing right. in people with Patriot ties, I think that does matter. I think you can look It's a difficult division. I know it didn't quite go the way we all thought it was a year ago, like that was going to be the hardest division in football. Um, but I still think it's an extremely talented division. 
And so, you know, you could make strides this year and still find yourself eight and nine, nine and eight. But I would take that as a good sign if they feel like if you're seeing that improvement, you know, because I think there was probably, and you watched it really closely, there was a little bit too many valleys last year, ups and downs that you couldn't quite figure out. Yeah, absolutely. And so getting the talent in on the roster is the biggest key, and that's going to come up at the end of April with they have 12 draft picks right now heading into the draft. Well, Mike, fantastic stuff, my man. Definitely appreciate you. Cover the NFL like a glove. Been doing it for a very long time. Appreciate your insight this afternoon. Have a fantastic weekend. You too, man. Thank you so much. There he goes. Mike Giardi, uh, longtime cover of the NFL, man. Just fantastic work. I've uh, been watching his work for a, from a distance for a very long time. Uh, and he's a free agent right now, right? He's available for any network to pick him up. And I promise you, Lindsay, it won't be long that uh, a, a network will definitely be picking up Mike because he is really good. We actually had a text message exchange about that just yesterday about, yeah, Mike, you ain't going to be out on the sidelines very long because you're too stinking talented. So many thanks for him giving us a few minutes of his time this afternoon, kicking us off on this Friday. 2.28 is the time. The question that we threw out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line, and you could even call in if you'd like at 702-365-9200 be a part of the show. Who is that player or maybe even that position that would make you become unhinged, the guy that you don't want to see or the position you don't want to see the Raiders draft in the first round coming up at the end of April? Let us know about it. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Having a little bit of fun on this Friday, and many thanks to Mike Giardi who started us off, formerly of the NFL Network. He's fantastic. Definitely appreciate his time. Speaking of the NFL Network, Charles Davis, my good friend, will join us at the top of the hour to talk all things NFL draft as well. And then we have Sheena Quick, who covers the Panthers. She'll join us at 3.30 here on Unnecessary Roughness. Raider Nation Radio 920. But we are having some fun on this Friday. Received this tweet earlier today from my guy Jonathan. I thought it was pretty funny. He said, I've decided I don't care who the Raiders take a seven. As long as it doesn't make you make a video with a shocked look on his face saying over and over again, at seven? Really? At 7? LOL, keep up the great work. He said, I listen every day. Uh, then he said, I lied. If they take some offensive lineman at 7, I'm going to become unhinged. That's what? from my guy Jonathan on Twitter. That's what he said. Offensive line wouldn't be that bad of a pick. I just don't think it's a guy that's, value, that's, that's no. worth the number 7 overall pick. Now, if they trade back a spot or two, I can see it. Sure. Right? You know, then go and get the best – best player and it's funny again I mentioned at the top of the show I was part of a mock draft uh, for the locked on network last night and we did the first round and of course the Raiders picking at number seven and uh, you know so we get to the pick and one I was already shocked by what the Detroit Lions picked when they uh, went and picked Kalijah Kansi out of uh, out of pit I couldn't believe it I was like wait hold on you're picking him over Jalen Carter that's unbelievable so Jalen Carter was still on the board and they went with Kalijah Kansi so okay there's that so oh then boy. I'm at seven, and I was actually no 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 joke. I was actually able to trade back from seven to ten and still get the player that I would wanted to get at seven. Still got the same player, and I picked up an extra second round pick for the Raiders this upcoming oh, look at year. You. So I was wheeling and get dealing. Get you in the war room, Q. You hey, can, look. You can not only was I not only was I wheeling and dealing, <laughs> but then I got a little 
I got a little testy because I was, as you you know, because I was in studio last night. Oh, Remember yeah. after the show? You were pacing. And I was, yeah, because I was trying to hurry up and get done because I wanted to get home. And they told me it was going to go fast. So instead of coming home and doing the draft, I stayed at the job thinking, okay, it's, it's going to go really quickly. Let me just sit here so I don't miss it. Sure. And I was there in the studio for like an hour and ten minutes after the show, which is not what I planned on doing. No. So I kind of showed my cards when it came to pick number ten before I should have. I really could have traded back to number 11 because the Tennessee Titans were behind me, and he really desperately wanted to trade up to 10, but I had kind of already tipped my cap on who I was going to pick at 10, so he realized it wasn't the guy he wanted, which happened to be an offensive lineman. He wanted Paris Johnson Jr. at Ohio State, and so he knew that I wasn't taking him at 10, so he was like, no, I'm good. But I really could have traded back to 11 and got another pick, which I learned so much from that. Even though you think, and I said this at the top of the show before we had Mike on, you feel like you have a great pulse of what's going to happen in this draft. And, okay, CJ's going to go one. Bryce Young's going to go number two. Arizona's going to go and get Will Anderson. At four, it's going to be the Colts. They're going to go and get either Will Levis or they're going to get Anthony Richardson. At five, Seattle's going to go Jalen Carter. Six, Detroit's going to go, you know, uh, Christian Gonzalez or else uh, uh, Devin Witherspoon. Eight is, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I just have all these in my head where I'm like, bang, 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 bang. But there's always something that happens that changes the game. Yep. Right? There's always something that happens that you look up and say, huh? <laughs> yeah, Wait. Cleveland Browns are always going to twi- er, <laughs> trade up to just move up one spot so they can uh, get right. Trent Richardson. Right. So there's always going to be something that's yep. going to throw off what we all have in our mind. And so it lets you know that a lot of things are possible. But to Jonathan's point, he's like, I just don't want to see that face, Q. I don't want you to have to make that video again where it's like, what? That's great content for us, though. <laughs> you, you, meme and Q. I, I think we could uh, we could get something going this time around. It is so funny. Uh, that um, that video came from when the Raiders picked Alex Leatherwood at 17. And the wife, she pulled out the phone and started recording. She wanted to see my immediate face. And, and actually, my old co-host, Craig Smokes, started this yeah. every single draft he would get the camera out and say okay I want to see what Q's face is and I remember back in Arlington when the Raiders were selecting and I don't remember what pick they had originally but they traded back they oh it was 2017 as a matter of fact it was Gruden's first year and the, all the reports were they wanted an offensive lineman and I remember Derwin James was there for the Raiders to take and they obviously didn't take him and every time the Raiders came on the clock because I think they traded back like twice before they ever picked they started filming me to see what my immediate reaction was going to be. And then it was like, okay, a trade. And so they got rid of it. All right, a trade. Got rid of it. And then I thought, oh, man, Derwin James is going to be that guy. The Raiders are about to select him. And then they're like, Colton Miller. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> An offensive so lineman. So anticlimactic. I know, but it, uh. it, offensive linemen get no love, right? I mean, because they're, right. they're needed. They're a desperate part of the team. You have to have the really good offensive linemen. And Colton Miller has been that guy. It, it turned out to be a really good pick. But – you know, you just look at – you want a guy that's going to be, like I've been saying all week long, a difference maker. So, you know, going back to this year's draft at number seven, I just don't look at offensive linemen as being the position, with, especially with all the needs that the Raiders have, Correct. being the best pick at number seven. But if they trade back a couple couple times, who knows? Maybe Paris Johnson, maybe Skaronsky, maybe other – you know, Broderick Jones from Georgia, maybe a little bit later in the round, Darnell Wright from Tennessee. I mean, there's there's options there. Mm-hmm. But it brings me to the conversation and the topic of the show today. Who is the player or maybe even position that you would become unhinged? You don't want to see the Raiders draft with their first pick at number seven. Let us know about it, 702-365-9200. Robert in Portland, you're up first. What's on your mind, brother? Yeah, Q, uh, I love that. You know, Vic Taper did the same thing in his. He, he dropped down, he traded down just like you. Um, hey, I I just feel that Trenton Simpson, although he's a hell of a 
you know, defensive player. Yeah. If they if they reach for him because he's rated anywhere from 12th to 15th best guy in the draft, but he's an inside linebacker. He's um, very skept- sketchy on in a zone defense, and I don't know if it would work with us if we reached and picked him up at seven. If we traded down and got him, I wouldn't go go crazy. But I, I just don't want to see an inside linebacker go at number seven. But I agree with you about uh, offensive linemen because I don't think these guys are what they need. They need a right tackle. And Dwan Jones could mm. be available late in the first round or early second. And so uh, that's my, my direction. I just know the real – I just know – I just don't want to see Trent get picked too high. Good stuff, Robert. Great, great to hear from you, my man. Appreciate you. And, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that there's an inside linebacker that is worth that number seven overall pick. I, I just – I don't think so. But that's, that's just me. You know, obviously we're not the decision makers. So I'm, I'm with you there, and I'm, I'm with you on the offensive lineman as well. And I do think that they need a right tackle specific. I would have no problem with them at some point getting Darnell Wright from Tennessee. I think he's really good. Um, you know, there's, there's other guys out there that are available. You mentioned Dewan Jones from Ohio State. That's a dude. And when I say dude, I mean respectfully, like, that's a dude, right? That's a guy that can get it done at the right side. I would be all for that. But, again, that's, that's later on. You know, just like Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State, the cornerback. I like him a lot. I don't like him a lot at seven, <laughs> you know? And I even thought about it, Lindsey. I'm not going to lie to you. Even though I, I kind of played my cards early in the draft, uh, the mock draft I did last night, yeah. I was wondering, I was trying to figure out, is there a way I can work my magic and trade all the way back far enough where I feel comfortable with taking Emmanuel Forbes first? Right, especially when you have somebody, you know, trading up and disrupting everything, then you start getting crafty about it. It's like, can I take advantage of this person? Can I make them feel like I'm going to take this guy? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of val- there's a lot of depth value in this draft, not just in the in the first round, but like you said, it's all about positional need and not getting distracted by the shiny objects. No doubt, no doubt. We got a text from the nine two five. Trenton could be had late twenties, early day two. Rather have Drew Sanders and Drew Sanders, Drew, excuse me, Drew Saunders, uh, the young man from uh, Arkansas by way of Alabama. He was at Alabama first and made his way to Arkansas. I like that. That's good stuff. Thank you for that text. We do appreciate you. Uh, we got another text. Actually, we got a lot of texts. Let me go ahead and uh, get some of these in. Uh, Jim from Yonkers. Uh, if they try to replace Waller too soon with a tight end pick in the first round, thank you for a great. That's what they can't do. Correct. That is what they can't do. You cannot go into the draft and just try to replace somebody because you feel like you have to, right? I mean, Correct. you just you you. That's something we've talked about quite a bit. Whether people agree with you know the positions that were selected, like a Clee Farrell, for example, like the Raiders. They felt like, okay, we just traded Khalil Mack. We've got to go replace him. So let's go get Cleve Farrell. And I'll say that not that that's a bad approach. It was a, it was a bad player to put it at that spot. They could have got a, another player, but they probably could have traded back and got a guy instead of just staying there at four. Problem is that you've got to have two to tango. So if you're trading back, you've got to have a trade partner. So you can't play your cards. You can't show your hand too much because if you show your hand, then you're not going to have a trade partner. So, you know, just like the Alex Leatherwood pick. Oh, got to have a, a right tackle. Let's go get Alex Leatherwood. That was a reach. Even though there were some other guys that were out there available, they felt like this is the guy that they just had to have. So they got the wrong guy, and they, they just kind of forced the issue because that's what they needed. They don't need to do that. I don't think that this staff – I feel that's the one thing I feel very confident about. I don't think Dave Ziegler and company, and I could be proven wrong – I don't think that they're going to force the issue. I think that they're going to let the board come to them how it is, even with the quarterback position. We all know they need a quarterback, but I think that they'll be comfortable passing on a quarterback if it's not the one that they want. 
Well, and isn't this a, an especially deep tight end class? Very, very deep and, tight end And just end in class. general, that position has gone through such a metamorphosis in the last you know, four to five years because most of the time I'm just trying to rack my brain. Has there been a first-round tight end pick that's worked out? Like you almost need somebody to rise up out of nothing and, and show that they, they can be a, a good blocker as well as a right. pass catcher, and you have to go through certain trials and turbulations on special teams and on, on – on other things because otherwise I feel like the expectation is just too much and because the tight end position is so sp- special these days that it can right. get keyed in on by defenses really early if you don't have a guy that's that's super confident like I think about the Min- my Minnesota Vikings and Irv Smith Jr. yeah uh, tight end they spent a first round pick on three four years ago mm-hmm. and uh, he's kind of like Waller in terms of he can't stay healthy but he's just never been able to fully latch in and lock in to to that position it's just it's it's wasted value well and I mean look the Raiders just signed OJ Howard you know he came from Alabama as well and he was a guy that had big expectations going into the league and it never panned out because of injuries like you mentioned look at Noah Fant you know the Broncos drafted him really high Noah Fant he's now not even a Bronco anymore Right, I mean, he's been traded already, and there's there's other guys, and there's guys Who's that the Atlanta that guy, out. the Atlanta kid, uh, Hurst, um, but he was in Baltimore first, right? Hayden Hurst. Oh no, you're talking about. I know you're talking about. You're talking about. Um, and he's more like a wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, and, and every he was that sure shot guy, and he hasn't panned out yet. He hasn't had a really a good quarterback to um, that that's throwing to him. I forget. Oh, man, I'll look I, it up. We'll yeah, I, I forget it. his name, but I I know exactly who you're talking about, uh, and he was phenomenal. Right, he was a phenomenal player in college, and I still think he's going to be a difference maker in the league. But everyone is trying to get, everyone's trying to get that you know that Jimmy Graham or better. They're trying to get that Travis Kelsey. They're trying to get that Darren Waller. They're trying to get that George Kittle, and it's just hard to find them. So they're looking for guys that are have that basketball background, mm-hmm. have that super athletic ability, and they're like, oh man, this is going to be the next dude in the league, and it just hasn't worked out. Like that. Yeah, Kyle Pitts is yes, the next, thank you so uh, much. Thank is you. the next yes. big tight end. But as I'm looking at the depth chart on ESPN.com, there's a big old red Q right next to his name, and that's not a good Q, at least uh, for for them. <laughs> right. A good Q for us. We like Qs here in our in our studios. There you theirs. go. Yeah, we got a text from the nine two five. Darnell Washington seems like that dude, though. Uh, maybe if you have two ones. Yeah, and I think Darnell Washington, the young man out of uh, Las Vegas, as a matter of fact, he, he went to Georgia. Uh, he is almost like getting an extra offensive lineman. Right, he's so big and he's such a good blocker, and that's something that the Six, Raiders seven, covet. Two sixty-four. Yeah, he's guy. a monster, Holy but he's athletic Nolly. too, right? And he's not gonna—he's not gonna be a volume receiver like Waller was, or, or even like Gronk was, or something like that. But you just know what you're getting from him. He is an absolute monster as a, a another offensive lineman, but he's a tight end that could block really well. So you can have that guy on the field, something like what Thayer Mumford did for the Raiders last year. He came in as that sixth offensive lineman, played that tight end role, but you knew that the Raiders weren't throwing the ball to him. In this situation, if Darnell Washington's out there, he could play that same role, but the Raiders could throw it to him as well. So we'll take some more calls and texts. Hit us up at 702-365-9200. And of course, adobebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Coming up at 3 o'clock, Charles Davis from the NFL Network. But who is the player that you don't want the Raiders to get at the number seven overall pick? Who is the one player or position that you just don't want to hear when the commissioner says, with the seventh overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Las Vegas Raiders select you fill in the blank. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. 702-365-9200, Raider Nation listener line, having some fun on this Friday as we head into the Easter weekend. Make sure you uh, enjoy your time. Make sure you 
recognize what it's all about, why some folks are off work today, some folks are having that time to rest and relax, and, of course, enjoy some time this weekend with your family. We've been having fun asking the question, who is it that you don't want the Raiders to take, right? We talk about all the time who you do want them to take, what they should do at 7. Oh, Q, I got the master plan. They do this, that, and the other team is going to be fixed. Well, what about the opposite of that? What do you not want them to do? That's the question that we throw out there to you today at 702-365-9200 or don'tbebroke.com. Text sign is 69187, keyword R&R. Mailman Raider said, Q, I do not want us to trade back, then take Will Levis. I will be the resident Raider Levis hater like I was with Chandler. The pick needs to be trade up for one of the two top quarterbacks, if they're there, DB or somebody to pair with Max, in my opinion. So no trading back, then taking Will Levis. And I'll, I'll tell you, man, I refer back to that mock draft that I was a part of last night. Will Levis dropped out of the top ten. Dropped out of the top ten. I couldn't believe it. I, I don't understand, really? Lindsay. I don't understand. There was so much conversation. I had people mad at me because I said I wasn't a Will Levis guy. People were calling the station mad because – I had some agenda, apparently, and now nobody's talking about Will Exactly. Levis. I feel like he's really cooled off, and ultimately, I mean, he's probably the, the biggest piece that I would think has the, the potential to lure a team in that's like, oh, they're taking quarterbacks. I got to go get one. We got to go do something crazy. Like, he's that shiny object that you could go chase. And maybe he turns out well, and he's a starter, and he's able to get – maybe he's like Ryan Tannehill. You never know. But I, I don't know. We don't, we don't need that right now. If you're going to go get a quarterback, <laughs> you go get one of those quarterbacks. Right. Otherwise, you go look somewhere else. I'm really interested in why the conversation has gotten so quiet around Will Levis. I know we had Jordan Schultz on earlier in the week, and he mentioned the same thing. He said he was doing a story on Will Levis and why it's all of a sudden so quiet. But it absolutely is. Doby Raider hit me up on Twitter and said, I would lose it if the Raiders pick an offensive tackle or Will Levis. So there you go. Okay, I mean, two votes for not Will Levis. <laughs> right? Got it. It's unbelievable. How about from the two three nine? I would be furious if Brian Brissy was the pick at seven or if they trade back. I went to Clemson, and I'm a hardcore Clemson fan. I'd feel the exact same way I felt about them selecting Clee. Love the player at Clemson, but not in Vegas. That's from a Clemson fan right there. So there you go. That's true honesty. It is. It is. I, I love it. I mean, I, I just I find that to be so, so, uh, so honest and, yeah. and and real. And you know the thing about Brissy, I think that he could be a guy that could be selected probably in round two. You know, I, I know that he's had some pretty good pro days. I wouldn't have a problem with the Raiders selecting him in round two. I would have no problem with him. And, and look, the, our our resident Clemson fan will know better than I do. But I feel like that he could be a heck of a player. But he wouldn't be someone that I would select in round one. Certainly not at seven. No, no, then no. Then we have no. some different evaluation processes we need to address. Well, well, that's that's the problem, right? That's the problem. There's been too many years where there's different, there's different evaluations, right? There's, right. There's the consensus, you know, top ten, top twenty-five, top first round guys, and then there's been the Raiders top ten first round guys. It's like uh, something doesn't look like this, the the other, right? And yeah. more times than not, it's been the Raiders being wrong how about this text from the 925 i feel like that this is a good one illinois coach brett bielema has patriot ties 2018 2019 defensive consultant to the head coach so they go on to say worked for the patriots devin witherspoon connection at seven brett bielema is the head coach now 
at Illinois. Devin Witherspoon is you a corner. You love that pick? I do like that pick a lot. Not De- as much as Gonzalez, right? I like. I, th- I think they're, I think we're splitting hairs if we say, yeah. you know what I mean? If the Raiders end up with Christian Gonzalez, I'd be happy. I'd do a backflip. If they end up with Devin Witherspoon, I'd do a backflip. If they end up with Tyree Wilson, I'd probably do a backflip. And really, I can't do a backflip, so I'm not going to do that at all. I'm not a gymnast, so I couldn't do any of that. I'd like to see the attempt. <laughs> that also could be great for content. No, no, you don't want to see the attempt. The attempt would be me falling flat on my face, and it would sound, it would look bad. It's it'd so be, funny watching people trying to assess how high they can jump and then seeing what the actual result right. is. It's it's enjoyable. It's like watching the um, the Major League Baseball All Star Game. The only reason I watch the home run derby is just to watch kids run into each other. They're so all go. just chasing it down. That's what they're doing. They're chasing the ball. I'll say Athletes. this. I, I do have athletic skills, except for when Vegas Jess pushes off on me in the square of my back when I'm Ding him up, when I'm playing defensive back and is he's that trying what happened? to be that is exactly what happened. He uh he he didn't realize that uh, that's an offensive pass interference play that oh. he did on me. And um yeah. Can't so, call your own fouls in this game. I mean it was no, it was it was it was one-on-one, mano-a-mano, right? And I- I'll tell you, the quarterback throwing the ball to him was not a very good one. Oh, wow. But he, uh, Vegas Jess definitely pushed off on me, and that was offensive pass interference, and I went down, and I was injured. Man down, man down, you but it's okay. You were injured on the play as well? Oh, yeah, I got injured. I got injured on the play. It was not good. <laughs> Out of commission for a few days? Weeks? I was, I was, no, 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 I wasn't injured like that. I mean, look. So it was I, an ego injury. No, right? I just, I just dusted, you know, I threw a little dirt on it. I was fine. Sure. You know, I might have. breathed I, through the tears. I might have laid in the middle of the street for a little while. <laughs> but Look I was away. okay. Look I recovered. Away. No, I recovered. I was just fine. I, I recovered. We'll have to stretch it out next time. Maybe there you help. go. I, I promise you there's actually sound in the system that you're sitting in front of right now oh. of the actual play. I don't know what it's called. Oh, really? But if you search maybe Vegas Jess or you search, I don't know, uh, the end of it, it was pretty funny. Our good friend Demi, who works in the hospital, said, we need a medic. Like, that was the funniest part of it was the very end when she said we need a medic because it was Q down, man down. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll find that at some point before the show's over just so we can bring you well, up to speed. Well, don't make that promise. I don't, I no, don't no, have we'll all the de- keys to this. No, no, uh, we'll definitely find it. I'll, here. I'll, I'll figure out where it's at. We'll find it for you. Don't worry. Okay. It's, it's all good. 258 is the time. 69187, keyword R&R. This is the text line. You can hit us up with any comment that you have for our next guest, which is Charles Davis from the NFL Network. Also, hit us up and answer the question that we threw out there for the show topic today as we close things out strong on this Friday. Who is a position or what is a position or who is a player that you just don't want to see the Raiders select with their first pick or even as early as number seven? Let us know about us. Raider Nation Radio 920.